Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to Inside Strategic Coach with Dan Sullivan. Dan, we've been having a lot of really interesting conversations, particularly about your latest book, which is The Geometry for Staying Cool and Calm, which we'll touch on. But you made another comment in a workshop the other day, and you said, it's not about fairness, it's about uniqueness. Mm -hmm. And we're living in a fairly chaotic time at the moment. Any perspective on history would reveal that. But in current times, it's kind of a little little wackadoo, to use my technical term. But I love your comment. It's not about fairness. It's about uniqueness. So let's dive into that because this touches on the book. But it's a way of looking at the world that's much more calming. It's much more lucid. It gives people confidence as opposed to getting all kind of freaked out all the time. So let's dive into this. I'm curious. What do you mean by it's not about fairness? It's about uniqueness. Well, the word fairness is fairly recent in history. So if you check the Oxford English Dictionary, which is the history of all English words, 1307, something like that. And what I mean by fairness, uh, fairness has several meanings. One of them is a physical description. That's a fair person. And it was meant as a compliment, a fair looking person but it was always meant as a compliment of someone's good looks, you know, or not that they treated other people well, they just came across as a, you know, a fair, usually applied to women, by the way, you know, she was a fair looking maid. But the present understanding of fairness touches on equality, equalness, and it's a social term, not a descriptive term. But I think why it's so recent in history, because how we understand fairness today is because so much in our world supports the fact that things should be fair. And I think the reason is that in certain sense, the world has become more competitive and you can spend your whole life doing self-comparisons of your situation with other people's situation. Also, there's implied that you can really improve yourself on a continual basis, and other people are doing a better job of it than you are. So just to get across the central idea here is that 2,000 years ago, nobody talked about fairness in the way we do. You had to have the opportunity for people to actually improve themselves and to gain in capability and gain in advantages and gain in results. And the more that's possible for individuals, then certain people who feel that they're not succeeding will bring in fairness that it's not fair that you should have this. It's not fair. There's a touch of envy about that. Mm -hmm. But that's where you're constantly looking outside of yourself and making comparisons to how you feel you are. Uniqueness is looking inside and knowing who you are. Okay, so you're not comparing yourself to other people. You're simply looking inside of things that you do uniquely well, and they match up with this type of situation. So that's the general tenor of my thought about that. If you're looking for fairness, you can't find out who you are because you're always doing self-comparison. And usually you're coming up on the short end. Well, comparison is a thief of joy, isn't that? That famous. Yeah, someone, someone said that. <laughs> it's credited to about 10 different people, so I'm not sure who actually said it. I feel it. the need to go look it up right now. <laughs> yeah. It is so true. So that's fascinating, Dan, that if you're looking outside, it actually prevents you from discovering 
what is unique about you and your statement you know looking inside and knowing who you are yeah. is really the definition of uniqueness so but really it's a whole different perspective shift to really look inside so it's kind of fascinating because if someone's complaining all the time about life's not fair shouldn't have happened to me they're jealous and envious and i want to talk about the distinction between the two but that actually prevents their growth prevents the very thing that they are yeah noticing in other people yeah because first of all they don't really know how other people are so you know they don't know what it's like to be inside someone else but they're making a you know a sort of saying that we're comparing inside how you feel with outside how they look Mm-hmm. You're making a comparison between two things that are radically different. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing, but I just noticed that there's the technologies are there. I would use social media as the prime example here that people are looking at people on Facebook or they're looking at them on Instagram or they're looking at TikTok and they're saying, wow. Boy, I wish I were like that. Well, that immediately takes you away from knowing who you are because you're imagining it. I mean, there's no reality to it whatsoever. Yeah, the whole thing of social media, especially, but there are other medias too. You know, it's comparing other people's outsides to your inside, and it's not a healthy practice. Well, you never come up with a happy conclusion Mm -hmm. when you do that. So, Dan, what's the cost of someone focusing on that comparison? What's the expense? Well, I think you're in perpetual reaction, Mm -hmm. for one thing. Mm -hmm. Reactive and creative use the same letters, but they have a totally different meaning. Mm -hmm. So all the letters in reactive are the same letters as in creative. Okay. But just the rearrangement of the letters gives a not only different, but I think just opposite meaning. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an interesting thing. Happily enough for me is that I grew up in a way that I was given an enormous amount of time on my own where I could just get to know myself really well. And I would say, you know, I'm almost 80, but I don't see much difference in how I experienced myself as when I was eight. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Say more about that. You obviously you've evolved. (laughs) You're 10x when you were eight, Dan. No, my experience of myself when I'm by myself is, Mm. I would say it's the same. Right. It's just that I know a lot more. I've got a lot more skills and I've got relationships that really multiply me, you know, personal relationships, Mm -hmm. business relationships that who I am can be multiplied by who other people are. Mm. And what I'm looking for is people who are really different. Right. I'm not looking for the people who are the same. I've got same handled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. And that works because you're unique. You're something worth multiplying, someone worth multiplying. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can see situations where I was ignorant. I can see situations where I was deficient. I can see situations throughout my life where... I guessed wrongly, you know, I bet wrongly, but it was the same person doing all those things. And I was learning from all those things. And so, you know, there's a profile that we use in Strategic Coach called Strength Finder. One of the things about that, you know, that I'm basically an idea guy. So 
if I'm put myself in a situation where coming up with new ideas is not recognized and supported and rewarded, uh -huh. that's a very, very unhappy situation for me. Uh -huh. And I've learned never be in a situation where the thing that people value you most for isn't coming up with new ideas. Uh -huh. So that only works because you have focused on your own uniqueness mm -hmm. and growing and developing yourself. Yeah. Before we jump into how people can do that for themselves, Dan, let's talk about one of the terms that I use is crab in a bucket, which mean that don't get above yourself, like don't rise too far. And it's that envy, mm -hmm. which is interesting. So it's completely the opposite of uniqueness and thriving. Well, the other thing is... It's a little more productive. Yes. No, it's 100% more productive. <laughs> that <laughs> a little 100%. Okay, got it. Because envy has nothing good about it. Someone said envy is drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Uh -huh. Envy actually kills you. Whatever you have in yourself, you kill it off by being envious of other people. The interesting thing about this, envy was top of mind conversation for almost all of humanity because there was such inequality and such unfairness but people were fairly stuck socially. They were kind of stuck, you know. Mm. You, if you were born into this setting, that's, you were going to die in that setting. If you were born in this role, you were probably going to die in this role. And then all of a sudden, things broke open the last couple hundred years. And envy was still used by authors, and it was used by, you know, people just observing. He had extreme envy. And then it stopped around 1850. Uh-huh. I'm a check. That's exactly the book. So is Envy a Theory of Social Behavior yeah. by Helmut Scheck, S-C-H-O-E-C-K, if anyone's curious. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because it's got about 25 chapters in it, and each chapter is a standalone. So they would have like Envy in History, Envy in Literature, Envy in Politics. You could read each chapter and it's sort of a complete thought, but the main character in each of the chapters is this human behavior and mindset called envy. And his theory, it's a theory, is that the use of envy, as it was historically accepted, disappeared around the middle of the 1800s, and it disappeared into an organizational form called socialism. Mm. And socialism is to actually make sure things are even, not based on anything except no one should get above themselves. Uh -huh. It doesn't matter how talented you are, we're not going to let you get above yourself. Uh -huh. We don't care how smart you are, we're not going to allow you. And what develops at the center is a powerful regulating bureaucracy. All socialism leads to bureaucracy. Ooh, say that again. All regulation leads to bureaucracy. Oh, I love that. If you're regulating so that people can't excel, they can't be extraordinary, you do that through bureaucratic means. Mm -hmm. And bureaucracies don't want to die, <laughs> as I learned from my poli sci course. Well, bureaucracies at best should be temporary. Mm. They're dealing with some sort of situation that we don't have any other 
solution to? Like, if you have extreme wealth and you don't have opportunity within that situation, then you're going to end up with a very stratified, static difference between extreme wealth and extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for example, the Soviet Union was the biggest, deadliest, most destructive attempt to apply socialism to a vast country. And then it was so bad, it just disintegrated Mm -hmm. in 1991. But today, 95% of Russians are poorer than the bottom 10% of poor people in the United States. The top 10 poor people in the United States are wealthier than the 95% of the Russian population. Wow. That's pretty poor. Yeah. So institutionalized envy. Yeah. That's profound thought. Interesting. Yeah. But going back, I've never seen anything to be gained by comparing myself to other people. Uh And I think part of the reason is I never played or interacted with anyone my own age until I got to first grade. Okay. Because I grew up on a farm. I had a birth order where it was just little Dan and his parents who, for me, they were perfect parents. They gave me a free hand. And what I learned to do was interact with adults way before I learned how to interact with children. And then when I finally had the opportunity to interact with other children, they didn't know anything. Uh I couldn't learn anything from the other kids. So I immediately always went up to the people who are 20, 30, 40, in some cases, 70 years older. And I said, hmm, what do they know? But Shannon, you strike me as that sort of person, too. You know, ever since I met you, and it's probably why it clicked between you and me and Babs and you and you and Strategic Coach, is that I just got a sense right off the bat that you were your own person. Very much so. And I was raised that way. So it was very much raised on individuality. My What I was interested in doing was validated. My feelings were validated. My parents didn't have any prescription for what I was going to do. They just wanted me to figure out what I was going to be up to in the world. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to conform, <laughs> I put it that way, yeah. which was really useful. And neither of us grew up in the age of social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up around kids, but we didn't have that blatant self-comparison opportunity that kids now do with social media, which is really interesting. And I've been trying to figure out a little bit about the rise of anxiety and... Yeah, well, it is because ideals are being presented to you on social media. We find out, you know, all of a sudden you have an influencer on social media who looks really well put together, who's very articulate, is incredibly popular. They have millions of followers and then they commit suicide. Yeah. You know, we find out that is exotic and glamorous and happy that Hollywood actors are portrayed on the screen. Their lives are a disaster. Their lives are a mess. And the reason is that they got hooked on being a celebrity. They got hooked on being an ideal that was only possible because of the backstage technologies of movie making. But it bore no resemblance to how they experience themselves inside. Uh Yeah, there's a personal experience in our friend group, friend of my daughter's, where brilliant, successful, literal rock star isn't here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
And he had all the things, success, talent, good looks, great personality. But it's interesting, you know, you'd think we would see his uniqueness on stage and you'd saw an element of it, but not that really validation of who he actually was. Mm -hmm. And I think people get caught up in that on a smaller scale, micro scale and a macro scale. And it's pretty tragic to watch when somebody's 20 something and decides it's not worth it anymore. You know, it's interesting. We've just come out with three major best-selling books, okay? Who, not how, The Gap and the Gain, and 10 times it's easier than two times. And these all have a central theme of knowing who you are. Yes. So what's the antidote to, to blaming, complaining, unfairness, getting trapped into that anxiety? Obviously, it's not comparison, but what are some actions, Dan, that people can take to really nourish that internal conversation and relationship as opposed to being distracted by the outside. Yeah, I mean, we have a fairly systematic way of going about this. We have an unfair advantage because all the entrepreneurs we have in Strategic Coach already approved decades of success that they know who they are. Right. And they know that it's actually who they are That's the reason for their success. And they've taken ownership for who they are. Mm. But what we find is that for the most of it, when they come into strategic coach, they've been fairly not aware of the basis for their success. They really don't know the reason why they are unusually better at what they do than other people. And what we do is we keep taking them back and showing them examples from childhood, from adolescence, from teenage years, that they've been developing this unique set of skills that nobody else really knows how it works. But it starts going from their inside into the outside world in terms of creating value in a unique way. And the uniqueness of their creativity comes from the uniqueness of who they are. And the impact of that is so profound. Yeah. So Julie Waller does this one-on-one with our 10X and Free Zone clients. And it's amazing. She just did one last week and the person's like literally texting her and calling up, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. The clarity that that gives, because they, you're right, it's undifferentiated. They are successful. They do have an experience of them with the world, nothing in between, and the results that they can produce, but they haven't really got it down to a formula, a set of best habits, clarity in terms of their strengths, Clifton strengths, Colby profiles, incredibly useful, Colby.com. Print is also a great profile. We have all these tools and then this process, which if anyone's super curious, Unique Ability 2.0 Discovery is a great package you can get at strategiccoach.com that just walks you through that process. It's actually, the notebook is Julia writing it. It's mm-hmm. like sitting down with her. <laughs> it's amazing. So a six-step process, but it's so powerful. And we even got to hear that yesterday, Dan, in our team meeting. The longevity of our team is insane. So many people, 25 years, 20 years, 15, 10, five years, you know, the average work employment these days is three to five years. Yeah. The number of team members we have, and so many people talked about being validated in their unique ability. 
we help them discover it and put words to it and help expand it and give them opportunities for that. You and Babs are both brilliant at this. And it's such a different environment for people to be in that why would you leave? Mm -hmm. Because it's just too good. I mean, unique ability is the best attract and retain strategy ever from a team building standpoint. But it also means taking yourself seriously, which is a very consistent theme with you and in our books. But if you don't take yourself seriously, there's no way that you will actually- Well, nobody else does. <laughs> okay, if you don't take yourself seriously, nobody else does. No. That's a good I one. mean, the world takes their cues on how to interact with you on the basis of how you interact with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is ancient wisdom. I mean, this is not a recent discovery. You know, but I think that the proliferation of highly visual technology, starting with movies, starting with television, that we're asked to be a spectator admiring other people's mm. capabilities that are way beyond ours. But it's fiction, you know, it's fiction. Mm. It's not real, it's just fiction, you know. So we're comparing our real self to other people's fictitious selves. Mm -hmm. And I think at a very young age, this is very confusing. Yes, <laughs> it's very confusing, as evidenced by kids. I love that. So this is just such an interesting conversation. Dan. Well, it's an endless topic because you're always discovering something new. Yeah. So again, just to leave people with a super practical action and just real confidence that they do have a unique ability or uniqueness. Um, and that that's worth exploring. But where you're winning is where you're unique. Where you're unique is where you win. Where you're unique is where you win. I cannot think of a better thing to end this conversation with, Dan. Thank you, as always, interesting, wide-ranging, great context about the origin of the word envy and the whole concept of fairness. And I think this is a really powerful path to get people focused on what is unique about them. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon.